Come, walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan while we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Thank you for stopping by the Caravan of Lore. Please take a moment to review our presentation and rate us on your favorite listening platform. And remember, you can be an integral part of the show by becoming our patron. You can follow us at the Caravan Library of Lore group page on Facebook or the Caravan of Lore on both Instagram and Twitter. If you have had an experience or peculiar event happen to you, please feel free to share just visit for all the information just mentioned at caravanoflore.com. Hi, Jen. Oh, this is nice. There's plenty of room in here for the two of us. We don't have any uh, guests other than ourselves, so kind of cool it's good to be to be back mm-hmm. as well so um i would like to start with the experience of october 6 2018 as a follow-up to the trip to bray road perfect it was very exciting actually um and I, what i'll do is i'll just kick it off by giving a presentation of the day. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to ask as we go along here. But it started out that I had made contact with Jay, and and I have to apologize first off because I was pronouncing Jay's last name incorrectly until we were in the car together, and he was in conversation and pronounced his last name. And I'm like, wait, it's not Bakachin? He's like, no, no, no. It's it's actually pronounced Ba Cho Chin. I'm like, ah. He's like, well, just remember, you know, something like, you know, bitch ocean. I'm like, what? He's like, well, the DJ at our wedding just, you know, said he could remember the name if he called it bitch ocean. So it's like Ba Cho Chin. Ah, okay, so. For those of you that um, have seen the Bray Road Beast Small Town Monsters presentation, Jay is part of that documentary as as a voiceover and does partial interviews in that documentary. So I reached out to Jay and he was very accommodating to at least accept the idea and be a tour guide for one entire day in Walworth County, Wisconsin, besides just Bray Road. We are speaking of Elkhorn and the Kettle Moraine area, along with various points in between. So the way our day started out is I made the trip up to Wisconsin. I did a Facebook Live feed just outside of Bray Road. 
and made my way to Jay's residence. And Jay lives in this hotspot area, so he's very familiar with all the lore and sightings. And, of course, he's had his own experiences and seen a lot of interesting evidence in which he has documented for his documentary. So we made our acquaintances with each other. Now we've been talking online for a period of time, so we've already had that familiarity with each other. But we made our acquaintances and went to the town of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is a uh, it's a tourist city. It's, it's very quaint. It's very popular because of the lake, so it's very popular in the summertime with beachgoers and boaters and gift shops and souvenir shops etc and it happened to be pretty crowded there when we pulled in because we were actually going to have ourselves some breakfast before going out for the day and apparently being that it's Lortober there were a lot of people out for fall festivities now it was an overcast very low ceiling overcast rainy drizzly type of day which is a perfect setting for going out on cryptid hunting so for the listeners Oh, it was absolutely a perfect day. I really did not want it to be a sunny day, a sunny, nice day. I was mm-hmm. really kind of hoping that at least it would be overcast right? because it does it does present itself a little bit more the way it should be for that type of a story and lore that yeah. surrounds that area anyway. Exactly. So we had our breakfast. We made our way out of the diner. And, of course, Jay was sharing some personal stories and photographic evidence of some things that just made my jaw hit the floor of what he has taken out of the Kettle Moraine area. Mm-hmm. So as long as he's explaining everything to me, I'm at least learning and absorbing for what areas consist of what. Mm-hmm. Now, to get people familiar, if you're not familiar with Bray Road itself... Linda Godfrey, who is a resident in Elkhorn, uh, where she worked for a newspaper there, she has written several books. One of the books was actually called The Beast of Bray Road. And her latest book, Monsters Among Us, is a collaboration of witness testimonies uh, from people all over the area of Elkhorn and Walworth County having different strange anomalous activity not only of a dogman or an upright canid or, as Shannon LeGrow would say, a werewolf, but <laughs> there's her. also big, f- yeah, there, it, and hey, it's starting to become a thing now, so I, I'm pretty sure. I think we sure like officially change it. It is now werewolf. I, it is, I, I, you know, werewolf. and I, I think it's quickly on that track to begin on, <laughs> to become known as probably the werewolf of Bray Road. Yes. Who knows? But good for her. Yeah, that's hey, it's her enunciation, and I think everybody picked up on it and thinks oh, that's it. pretty, yeah. pretty plausible. And of course, Seth Breedlove was kind of having fun with the idea of you know the Wolfman. It sounds oh. like a pharmacist <laughs> that's up there. Uh, just go see Mister Wolfman, and he'll help it. you out with whatever your prescription needs are. <laughs> so anyway, we. Uh, gotten Jay's vehicle and headed out towards Bray Road and we shot a little bit of video documentary and as we traveled onto Bray Road Jay 
explain certain events and the history of the road of how the residents that do live on that road have been plagued by a lot of monster researchers and monster hunters traveling down the road and not really giving much courtesy to the residents that live there. And it did increase some of the traffic through there. And many people that travel Bray Road will say the same thing. It's not a haunted-looking type of road. It's a farm road. It's two lanes. It's got the painted yellow center line. But it does travel through some cornfields and, and farm area. That's exactly what the area is. It's, it's, it's farm country. Right. And there's patches of woods here and there scattered about around Bray Road. It's not very long. I believe it's only four, four and a half miles long. So we made our way down Bray Road. It was raining slightly, and Jay was explaining, you know, a couple different sightings here and there on the video, and that the property owners along there, uh, they do watch out for each other. So if there's cars pulled over, one may notify another farmer or residents, hey, there's vehicles parked on your property. And you may want to either address it or don't address it, as long as there's no disrespect to the residents. So we made our way to the end of Bray Road and turned around, and, of course, we did some photographs of the Bray Road street sign and typical touristy type of things just to capture the moment while we were there and made our second pass down Bray Road at a much slower pace. We were only doing about 10 miles an hour because we were really just kind of looking and and Jay was being very informative of this particular sighting happened here, this particular event happened there. And it's kind of fascinating when you're actually in the moment to see it in real time instead of seeing it on a video. It does paint an entirely different perspective to be in the area where all this national stories originated from that in such grand popularity especially in the cryptid world so we did make our way to the end of bray road and then we toured over to another location which kind of backs up to bray road um, where linda godfried had her personal experience with an orb and it also happens to be the same area where Lee, who was a farmer up there, had set up camera traps because he was having unusual activity on his farm, was setting up camera traps, where in the book Monsters Among Us, there are photographs that Lee had captured off of his motion sensor cameras Mm -hmm. of a mist that was hovering over a carcass, and he was putting animal carcasses out there to see if he could capture what animal was actually going out there and doing strange things to these carcasses because he, at one point, had a raccoon that was disemboweled in a very unusual way, and it wasn't consumed. The insides were separated from the body and laid next to it. So in those photographs of this mist... Uh, He went out there immediately thereafter. The picture did not pick up any creature other than this mist that was Mm -hmm. over the carcass, and then it disappeared, and so did the carcass. And when he went out there, he saw these canid footprints that were huge, Mm -hmm. and they made their way off, you know, through the woods and over the fence and then to the road, and he couldn't track it any further from there 
because clearly there can't leave footprints on the road. So it was really fascinating to be in that spot to see where these photos were actually taken and where Linda had her orb experience. It does set the tone for what goes on in that area, at least around Bray Road itself, but it's not everything centralized around Bray Road. It's just a lot of reports of this outbreak. Canid happened at Bray Road, but it also had a lot of reports from the county sheriff, or, the, or I'm sorry, the county deputies up there that had seen the same thing, along with a Bigfoot. They had several sightings of Bigfoot and seeing this dogman. And I'll call it a dogman because I think more of our listeners probably understand what the dogman is more than it is an upright canine. But either way, I'll refer to it as the dogman. Now, so, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah, absolutely. My question for you is, as you, so you guys went to breakfast first, yes? Uh-huh. So yes. as you're going along, you're in the car, you're driving on this regular road where you go to breakfast, you're driving on the regular road until you get to Beast, or the, the Bray Road. Mm-hmm. Now, did anything change? When you turned onto the road or when you were in these spots, did was the air different? Did your body feel different? Did you, was there any kind of an energetic change? Not by the environment, mm-hmm. uh, by just personal excitement of being there. Right. W- with somebody else. Now, I have been on Bray Road before, but I was there alone. And I think I was a little bit more unnerved. And I was actually on the road when I was on the phone with you after visiting with Linda Gottfried right. when I she remember. did her, when she did her presentation at the historical society in elkhorn and i had made my way over (laughs) over to bray road and yes you were quite friendly by well just park the car and go take a walk and it was it was late at night it was a full moon it Mm -hmm. that is a little unnerving but i think and took in some pictures for our lore yeah sure i should have yeah i well because you know i don't have dog chow written on my shirt so I, I didn't want to present myself as a free meal at the moment. Yeah. I wanted to stick around and keep presenting stories to the lore folks. That's, so that's true. That's true. I will we'll live for another for day. <laughs> Thank you. But no, as far as uh, being on the road itself, there really was no atmospherical or energy shift or anything like that. Not really. It was mm-hmm. just the excitement of being there and being able to be with somebody that knows firsthand exactly where these incidences took place so that you can actually look at the very spot and you know other than that though no there was really no energy shift whatsoever it's a good question though because the balance of the day certainly changed and that would be more in play that question would be more in play for the kettle moraine area which is which is going to hold on to that for uh when you began to speak about that too at what point if it felt different when uh-huh how? well after uh after we made our second pass off Bray road we just continued and went directly to the kettle moraine national forest mm-hmm. and what the reason for the name is uh, it it's really unique landscape and of course for those of you that have never been there it sits as a national forest, but what makes it unique is that it was 
uh, glacier push that had moved through that area probably millions of years ago. I'm not sure what the time span was of these of the glacier push, but what it does is it makes these close to, and I would say probably 130 feet deep bowls throughout the, the, the entire forest, and they're all over the place. So you could be on the high ridge, and you'll have big, and it's like walking on a ginormous golf ball with these big deep impressions or depressions in the ground that go down easily. Some of them would drop at least 30 stories down to the bottom of the forest and then come up on these ridges on the other side. So as far as the landscape goes, that's where anything could live and never be seen because it's a national forest and there's a lot of expansed area through there that is really not traveled by anybody other than the traveling paths themselves to go through there. But if you were to try to make your way through there, the thicket is so heavy that you would have to have machetes and tools with you in order to Mm -hmm. be successful to make it down to the bottom of some of these kettles. But either way. But we did make our way out to Kettle Moraine after we left Bray Road directly. We didn't stop in between that. Now, Kettle Moraine really is not that far from Bray Road. It was only, I would guess, maybe a 10-minute ride, and it's it's northwest of Bray Road and Lake Geneva itself. And there's a lot of freshwater lakes in the area, which I believe is very pertinent to these creatures that live there at least from all the reports it seems like where there's a lot of fresh water it seems like a lot of cryptids make their home there and it makes sense it really does make sense there's a lot of tributary little rivers and creeks that tie one lake to another lake so as we approached into the kettle moraine area jay has his little spot and he had stopped right on the road and pulled in between this tiny little break of the trees in the forest and there was a tiny little clearing and when i say tiny it's no bigger than you know some people's living rooms you could barely fit two cars into this little clearing but he backed the car in and i'm like okay well this is different but it's completely secluded the second you pull in this clearing you can't see the road that you just came off of because you literally pull your vehicle in between two trees And that's it. You pull in and you're back behind the tree. So you couldn't see the road. You could hear road noise and you could hear that there was machinery going on maybe a half a mile down the road at another farm. But other than that, you couldn't see anything other than forest around you. So we backed the vehicle in and we opened the doors and overwhelming stink hit both of us. And he looks at me and I look at him. Wow, and it stunk bad. It was like a, it's like he parked next to a big fertilizer pile with dead something on it. It was just a horrible stink. And I assumed immediately, well, we're in a farming community. It's probably fertilizer stink. I don't know. But when we got out of the car, we were standing for no more than a full minute, and the stink went away. It wasn't there anymore. And if it was a fertilizer thing, it would probably still be lingering there. And it was strong enough that it was close by. Whatever was creating the smell was close by. Now, mind you, I'm not attributing anything 
to a cryptid. I'm just explaining things that happened when we got there. So after we noticed this smell, we started getting our gear out of the car, and we heard something that I could only describe to Jay on the video. It sounded like if you took a very large burlap bag, and when I say very large, a burlap bag big enough to put your couch in and put a couple of giant boulders in it and drop it from a tree and it hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And we both looked at each other. He's like, did you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, I heard that. It was a loud double thud when it hit the ground. And it wasn't that far from us. Mm-hmm. I would say probably the source of the noise was maybe 100 yards away in the woods, but it was, it's kind of hard to distinguish distance in the woods. And, of course, it happens and you don't expect it. But mm-hmm. that's the only way I could describe what it sounded like was of either two very large boulders being dropped side by side hitting the ground. Right. So we got our equipment together and Jay had noticed that he wasn't getting any signal on his cellular device. I had my phone, and it was fully charged when I got there. And, of course, I look at my phone, and my battery's almost dead. Right. I'm like, you know, my phone will stay charged for at least a 10-hour day. It'll hold a charge, and I can do what I need to do with it. And I had it plugged into my vehicle on my trip up there. So, it's interesting. yeah, I had lost uh, most of yeah, I lost most of my battery. I I don't know. It was strange. And Jay said that was the first time that he couldn't get signal. Now, we have two different uh, cellular providers. And he says, you know, with his provider, since he lives in that area, that's why he got that service, because there would be service there. He had no service at all. And his intention is to notify his wife where he's at, and about how long they'll be gone in case something happens. She'll know enough to at least dial in 911. She knows where that location is. And it was a safety precaution thing so that somebody knows we are now there and this is our expectation time of going in and departing the area and he would notify her. Anyway, no signal and I'm losing battery power. I think I was at 4% when I got there. And I was like, this... (laughs) It's kind of disappointing, but whatever. I had my GoPro camera with me, so I had mounted it, you know, on my chest so you at least get a chest perspective of what we were seeing. And we proceed to go through the, and I'll say it's a path, but it is like a fire break that goes through the forest. And we made it up to the corner where the path turns at a 90-degree angle. And Jay explained to me then between these two trees here and it was twilight when he was there with a couple other people that he was doing research that he saw what he referred to as a shimmering that between these two trees and he thought maybe there was something with his eyes so he turned and looked away and he didn't have that effect until he looked between the trees again and sees this shimmering Mm -hmm. and he said and then it got smaller and smaller and smaller and it disappeared And he couldn't figure out what it was. It startled him. And I made comment to him. I'm like, wow, that sounds really familiar to what Linda said in her book about the shop owner who had a strange 
calling to go into those woods and she saw the same thing. She saw what appeared like the trees were melting as a vortex of some sort. So that put a sense of reality and urgency right there when he said that with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, it was an overcast, slightly drizzly day. Now, it wasn't raining when we were there. It was just overcast. I think the weather was starting to break just a little bit. It was probably uh, maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon when we were there. Mm -hmm. But it was still overcast, just not pouring rain or anything. So we make our way down the, the pathway and... We're talking, and we came up with a ritual to just kind of show, you know, that we're unarmed. We're just here to observe and make our way through here and see what we can see. And like I said, there were photographs that Jay showed, which he's keeping to himself for now and probably will release in a documentary that he's in the process of making right now. But these photographs are very convincing that there's some big creatures that live there very big creatures that live there and i'll just leave it at that and again of course i made my notation on the video while we were doing this i'm only here as a privilege and that's exactly how i felt it's not that i went there to see a creature it's not like i went there to prove anything i was just a privilege just to be there where all these things and anomalous events have been taking place to say I've been there. I've seen it for myself, and it's it's a very interesting place. Right. There is a mood about that area that we went in that's a little unsettling, which was by far different than Bray Road. You do kind of have a sense of something, and I, I can't quite put my, fi- uh, my finger on it. Now, there was shortly thereafter, I should say, Jay said he had a sense of being watched I've never had that sense of being watched I'm not sure what it is if it's a sense of you get the chills and the willies and whatever it might be and you start looking around desperately because you don't feel something's right maybe that's what's attributed to the feeling of being watched that I hear so many people say I had that feeling like I was being watched Mm -hmm. he said that now I didn't feel it I didn't feel anything unusual, but we were right next to each other, so if he feels like he was being watched, then why wouldn't I feel like I was being watched? But it could be how the energy is focused. It could could be be focused more. Or it could be maybe he's more sensitive. Well, very true and very possible. Yeah, sure, that's very possible. Um, But we continued down our path and it got a little better and we had made our way up a very small ridge again like i said this is kettle moraine so there's a lot of depressions that so you go walk down you're walking up and it's not a level walking field by any means through the woods you're doing a lot of up and downhill walking or hiking or climbing however you want to refer to it as Uh and there was really nobody else there I mean, it's, it was just one of those days that nobody else is there. And mm-hmm. it was peaceful, but the wildlife was normal. We heard squirrels chirping in the trees. We heard robins. We heard cardinals. We heard crows. 
constantly. I mean, we heard them all over the area. They weren't right around us, but you could hear them off in the distance, and then the birds would be flying by. And we got to this one point as we were coming up on this small rise, and instantly the two of us just noticed it. And the only way Jay could formulate it is it's like we just walked into a soundproof bubble. It was the craziest thing, and it was very unsettling and very creepy because he looked at me, and I noticed it immediately. Within one step, everything went deathly quiet. And it's a silence that when you are in total silence, your ears are ringing. Right, the silence is really loud. Right, because it's kind of like after you see a concert, your ears have that tinnitus ring in it because you're in total silence. Mm -hmm. That's how this was. It was so crazy, and it was only in a very small area, but we stopped, Mm -hmm. and we just looked around us. We didn't see any leaves moving on the trees. We didn't see any movement at all, and there was just deafeningly silent. Right. Just utter utter silence. And my ears really started to ring louder and louder. And it's kind of that ringing in the ear when somebody says, oh, well, somebody must be talking about you. Right. That's the type of ringing I had in my ears. He didn't, I don't remember that Jay said his ears were ringing, but we were both really concerned and it was a bit creepy to experience that because, like I said, we did not see anything moving, no leaves moving, no leaves falling from the trees. And they were falling from the trees as we were walking. It's becoming fall here, and the leaves are starting to fall. There were no leaves falling, nothing. It's just utter silence. We could hear each other, but we couldn't hear anything on the outside world. And, And on top of that, before we got to that spot, way off in the distance, we could hear the machineries from either the farms or something, and we heard them off in the distance. It was like a tractor was revving its engine, but the second we had made that stop into that silent bubble, right. we couldn't even hear that. Wow. And it's not like there was a wall of trees or something to separate that sound. Right. It was just really unsettling, very creepy feeling. But then we had stepped another five feet, and the forest was back to life again. We just continually heard the birds and the squirrels and the crows and the machinery going on in the background. It was like, oh, what happened? What what actually happened? It, I don't did know. Did you notice I anything with, like, did you look at your, at your watch or clock on your phone or... Um, I didn't have, I, I wasn't wearing a watch, uh-huh. and I didn't think to look at any devices right. to see if anything had changed until shortly thereafter. I did shortly thereafter. Oh. But, um, and I don't know that Jay did either, otherwise he probably would have made note of it, that, right. hey, did you notice that? Seemed like we lost five hours. No, I no, we didn't lose. Well, we didn't lose time or anything like that. Right. Um, I, everything seemed to be very continual. Mm-hmm. But when we stepped out and the world was coming back to life again, mm-hmm. or or maybe it was at full life, we were just separated from it from a moment. 
And I kind of remember somebody else having an experience similar to that too, where it's like you have that um, that orientation just kind of go away from you of what's going on in the world around you, and you're mm-hmm. kind of isolated. But when we stepped out of it, mm-hmm. it's like everything was continuing without ever stopping to begin with. And I know that kind of sounds strange, but we still heard the machineries off in the distance. We heard the crows off in the distance, and the birds were flying around. Oh. It was very normal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, because I don't know. I, don't I was just wondering about it just being a really – where it, if you would have had a time device – if it would have just seemed like a really long minute, like things just uh-huh. kind of paused around you in that space, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting point. I would say that we probably were only standing in that spot for no more than 45 seconds before right. we stepped out to move on because we didn't know that it was going to get noisy again. We couldn't oh. see a wall to walk out of. We just continued to walk to keep looking But as we walked, then everything was back to normal again. Well, this was when you were traveling into the forest, yes? Yes. When you came back, did you pass through that spot again? Oh, yeah. And it happened again? No, nothing. No. Wow. No. Now, Jay brought up a point, and it was one of our favorite caravan of lore points, what if. Um, and it really put the shivers down me because he brought it up. It's like, what if that was intentionally put there so that l- something could move in on you without you hearing it? And that kind of startled me. I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. But Are you what if something as a portal? Like it's it's sitting there with the ability to silently come through a portal so that it can... Or am I misunderstanding? Well, it could be along those lines. He brought it up as what if a cryptid has that ability to do that to oh, its subject so that it could right. walk up on it, make noise, but you would never hear it. I like that idea. <laughs> could you imagine? And of course, of course, that took us right down the missing 411 oh. topic oh. immediately, which is something you really shouldn't be wow. talking about when you're in that situation. Yeah, I know. Because then you really start to get a little unnerved. Yeah. It was like, so, you... yeah, we were hugging the rest of the way. No, I'm just <laughs> Right. Can you do me a big favor? I have a question for you, but it's going uh-huh. to require the manual. <laughs> okay. Do you, can you grab your Monsters Among Us book? Um, Sure. Sure. I, I should have it close by here. One second. <laughs> yeah, I have, it, I have mine right b- above my head, so I was just like, whoop. Okay, so what are you looking for? Uh, please turn page 196. Uh, page 196. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. 183 and 190. 190. Page 196, yes, okay. okay. These pictures here, it says, The marshy area outside Burlington, Wisconsin from which the rolling green fog experienced by sheriff's deputy and eyewitnesses Kevin originated before it shut down the electric systems of his squad car. And this is the story um, for our our, uh, lore folks, the green haze. How far away is that from you? Because I would love it if you could take a trip into these uh, 
This is a view of the footpath as it twines through the haunted woods. I would love uh-huh. to see you go on a caravan live adventure into these haunted woods. Well, that's all part of this area that we is were it? in. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, all I of this didn't... is all part of that area in which we were in. So how far away from this particular location or do you know that you were? Oh, I would guess probably no more than maybe five miles. Maybe you should go back Fro- then and see if you can't. I mean, if you, you think you could find it by these pictures? Oh, I'm sure I could find it through Linda Gottfried. And I, I know I could find it through Jay. Jay knows these areas really well because Linda and Jay would go out and do a lot of investigating. He would go with her um, just as it, not only a researcher, but a male person to be out there for protective reasons. So, yeah, the two of them have done their research in the area. So I know Jay probably is very familiar with that particular spot where those photos were taken. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, wow. Here it says, um, Burlington is a small city built around water with the confluence of two rivers to its west and north, the lakes uh-huh. just to its east and south. It was also the site of numerous ancient Native American burial and animal effigy mounds, and many sightings of various cryptid animals have occurred in the area around the city. Yeah, Uh it sounds like it'd be kind of cool if you went out again. Um, Maybe (laughs) darker (laughs) later in the day with more than one person, maybe. Well, Jay was really begging me to go out there at night with him. And I was like, nope. Well, there you go. No. I, Jay, I, not, I, I am not, on board I, with you, and I agree. <laughs> of course. You're I, safe I have and, nominated yeah. him. Okay, great. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, yeah, no, Jay's like, that's the time to go is after sundown and be there at night. Um, well, and you've that's your when, camera. Well, I guess it doesn't have night vision on it, though. Well, we do have night vision, yes. Oh, you do? Well, then mm-hmm. there's no reason not to. Oh, uh, did I say yes? We have knife. No, we don't. Yeah, no, we don't. Uh-uh. Yes. I don't know. I'm a little unsettled about being there at night because I don't want to come across or misconstrue my intent to being there With your as I, I'm. I'm there as an innocent bystander just to be part of the area and see the area. I, I wasn't going in so much as a researcher to have proof. Now well, Jay's take, no, Jay's take is that he would like that confirmation to explore, being able to make contact, to be able to at least have a bit of a more understanding of the origin of right. whatever these entities that are there. Well, and I understand thinking. that it's natural curiosity. My thinking is when I would go and visit my sister, we would wait till it was dark. And we were really excited. And we'd be like, okay, let's go out walking or let's go visit the cemetery. Because y- mm-hmm. it's exciting to have that, you know, little bit of spook. And so I think that it would be really fun just to, just to do a spooky fun thing. To go out at night and go live for all of us to participate in your adventure. Not to prove uh-huh. anything. Not to... You know, it's literally just a fun, hey, let's all go be spooky for the night. Right. 
Right. That was my thinking. I think I would probably be more apt to doing that uh-huh. if you and your sister and Jay <laughs> and probably and you probably the Wisconsin National Guard uh-huh. and maybe the entire police force of Elkhorn, Wisconsin were I'm, there. I might be too cursed to go with you. <laughs> I swear. Which is funny because that did come up in our conversation. Uh, I did tell Jay, I'm like, I would give anything if Jennifer could be here with us right now because uh-huh. she would she would be able I'd to. I'd bring out all the monsters. <laughs> you would. <laughs> you certainly would. And yeah. he was on board with that. He's like, so what's it going to take to get fate. Jennifer here? Right. Yeah. yeah, he would love it. He really would. That's too um, funny. But, you know, as the story continues, once we made our way out of that particular bubble, we were probably moving, we were moving at a slow pace because we're looking. We're looking in the wood line, we're looking around us, we're looking in the trees, Uh we're looking at the path for footprints. And I, I did come across some dog footprints Nothing abnormal. I'm sure somebody probably was walking their dog through there. So you get a sense of the size of the dog. It's probably a medium-sized dog that somebody was jogging through there with their dog or whatever. Right. Uh, but it's interesting. You know, you could find deer prints in there. Um, with the photographs that Jay took, not this trip, but a couple of trips prior to that, mm-hmm. um, very convincing to a bipedal creature and I will leave it at that because he will share those in his documentary when he's completed with the documentary and he doesn't have a completion date because he's not on a deadline he'll complete it when he's satisfied that there's enough there to be able to share with the community because he he's kind of like me this isn't about notoriety or fame it's not about me and it's not about Jay Jay just feels the responsibility to collect things and share them with the world, much like the Caravan of Lore does. We're just sharing the story and the experience. We're not trying to convince anybody that these monsters are there. Right. We're not trying to convince anybody that they're not there. We're just sharing what the experience was while we were there, and that's it. And that's just how we're taking that responsibility. But we had moved from what we coined the cone of silence, maybe another 25 yards ahead. And I'm talking to Jay and in mid sentence of me talking to Jay and he's looking down and he's next to me, but he's looking down at the path in, in front of us looking for any kind of signs of footprints or anything. I'm looking slightly ahead of us as to where we're headed. Now, mind you, he's been through the area several times so he knows where he's going I don't so I'm looking further ahead and in the middle of my sentence from my left now this fire break that we're walking on if you want to call it a fire break or a path I'm sure it's it probably serves as both Um, it's probably about maybe 20 feet wide 20 to 25 feet wide perhaps and it's pretty thick thicket on both sides Uh, it was really hard to see through the tree line in some spots other spots they had gone through and done some tree clearing of dead trees i'm sure that was the department of natural resources that did that Mm -hmm. but in a lot of places the thicket was pretty dense 
and not very high. It was probably between four feet high and six feet high was these thickets, but maybe 10 feet in front of us at that point, from my left to the right, I saw this white, translucent, humanoid figure just dart from one side to the other and it was leaning forward and one arm I couldn't tell you which arm because it was your sister described it the best I think your sister gave a description and not regarding this case but gave a description to how she sees things the best Mm -hmm. it's as if you drew it on a piece of tracing paper and were to hold it up to the light it had that translucent look to it but it was a humanoid i could see the head i could see the arms and i could see just below the waist that's what i was looking at i wasn't looking at the legs i'm sure it had legs right i don't know if it was floating across but it darted from one side to the other and that's what i saw so i drew a picture of the outline of what i saw and i shared it with jay and I'll, i'll be happy to share it on the caravan page also after this airs just so that people can kind of get an idea of what it was that I saw but it it took my breath away and Jay's like what and I told him what just happened and we immediately walked to that spot none of the trees were displaced or moved as if something physical had pushed through there because we didn't hear any noise it was just from one side to the other and here I'm looking at it and it was leaning forward as it was propelling itself from one side to the other. Right. It was, it was, it took me a while to get my composure. It really did. And of course, Jay immediately pulled his camera out and started asking me questions so that he could get the moments immediately thereafter it happened to get my reaction as to right. what I saw and to try to formulate what it was that I saw. And it was really hard for me to kind of put it into words. Now that I've had time to think about it, that's probably a better description because I was trying to explain to him, it was like a fog, but it was cut out like a cookie cutter. And and it was translucent and and it moved from here and it moved to there and it was right there in front of me and I just saw it dart across in front of it. It changed. I mean, everything changed, but I made one notation to Jay without him asking me the question, which was, it didn't, I had an overwhelming feeling that it didn't even know that we were there. Like it was an entirely different existence that it wouldn't be able to see us if it wanted to. It's just like we were, I was not observed. Jay wasn't observed when it did that. And I don't think it was moving from one side to the other to get away from us because it would have just gone the other way through the woods to get away from us. Why would it cross the path in front of us? Right. So I just had that immediate sensation that there was no recognition that we were even in the same space as it was. And I'm just speculating. I'm totally speculating as an observer. This was the experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it changed for me. You know, it's like a little bit of confirmation of, okay, there's things that are going on here that I can confirm that other people have seen too. That's not unusual to what other people have witnessed in this area. 
So Well, it, it takes you from being a believer to a knower. And that's uh it's uh-huh. pretty incredible to experience right. that in your lifetime. Well, and it's I like how you put that, you know, because I do believe that these cryptids do exist. The right. the the evidence is overwhelming. I do believe that they exist. I've never seen one. Right. But to see whatever this was that moved and it wasn't big. I'm sure people will be like, "Well, how big was it?" It was the same size as myself. It was probably six foot tall and no bigger or wider than myself. Mm-hmm. It, it just, I don't know. And But I stood there with my hands just open going, I don't know. And I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it was just a really unique experience. But, you know, we continued on. We stayed in that area for a few minutes just to kind of document and see and listen and nothing else happened immediately thereafter you know we just kind of continued on and made our way further and further we did a total of i believe uh just just over seven miles wow walking through there so yeah it was it was a it was a pretty good ground to cover to be able to see a good portion of the national forest because, like I said, you come out at certain points when you're on a rise. And that was something that was really interesting. As we were traveling this path, there was another path that made a 90-degree turn off of it. And Jay immediately started walking down. The second we made the turn onto that path, it was like you were in a different world. Right. It was so weird. It was so weird. It, it was just We turned on this path, and it just, everything changed. Visibly, it changed. And it was like things are so much greener on this spot than it was on where we just came off of. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of strange. And, you know, we continued on there and we took pictures there too, which looks very similar to the photos that you were just pointing to in Linda's book there. That's very much what that area looked like. Um, And I, you know, I told Jay, I'm like, look at all these spots here that – and I, I'm stealing this from Clint Granberry because I love the term the sniper's nest from Devil's Creek because okay. that's a good way to put it is there's so many areas that anything could sit there and be completely out of sight but yet see you with all clarity. Mm-hmm. There were locations like that everywhere where there was no obstruction to us being seen but we would not be able to see it because of how the tree line was in these clearings. And it's just something you don't think about until you're actually there. You just think of it as natural landscape. If you're unfamiliar with this community and these oddities that do happen, if you're unfamiliar with that, you just assume that's an interesting clearing. But if you were a sniper, that would be the place that you would set up because you're well hidden and yet you could observe everything for miles around you from that spot. Right. And there were so many destinations like that, but we continued on. Uh, we found, which we took a, a video of, of a trail marker, and it was a sign, but the sign was facing the thicket. Right. And, and the sign's affixed to a square post. Uh-huh. And it's facing into the thicket. 
It's like, why is a sign facing that way when the trail is this way? You can't see the sign when you're on the trail, but yet it was a trail marker sign. So Jay went to move it. It did wiggle in the ground as if you could pull it out. Now, it could very well be somebody was just, you know, pranking and pulled it out and turned it and stuck it back in the ground again. But it was just one of those weird things that you come across, and I had to make note of it. It's like, how odd is this? You know, the sign's facing in a direction where this thicket is. And, of course, I stepped into the thicket, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's a Bigfoot informative sign so that it knows which way to go. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But it was pretty interesting. But once we passed that sign, we got back into what we were originally in as far as the density of the forest. And we no sooner come around this turn and probably uh, 25 feet away from us. And again, this is pretty heavy thickets. But we heard this enormous rustling going on, and we both had that grab-your-chest moment, and a turkey buzzard takes off out of this thicket. And, of course, when they're that close, they look, you know, three times bigger, and your brain's like, it's the Mothman. But we we both knew. It It was a turkey buzzard, and it was not a thunderbird or anything abnormal. But it was startled us. And I told Jay, I'm like, well, the only reason why there's a turkey buzzard over there is because there's something dead and it's feeding. But we couldn't even get back into it to even have the curiosity to see what it may have been feeding on. But it startled us. It really did. It's just big, massive bird comes rustling through the bush like that and takes Mm -hmm. off by us and kind of flies off. And... uh, You know, we continued on, and I had noticed that just prior to, and I should back up a little bit, but just prior to that humanoid thing that passed in front of us, I didn't have battery on my GoPro anymore. Now, the GoPro was, or I shouldn't say it, it, I should say that it gives you five hours of battery life and record time, continual. And everything was charged when we left. Now, between the time that we left and the time that I had that experience of something passing in front of us was probably no more than 45 minutes. Right. That's not enough to have drained the battery. Well, it it shut off because there was no battery left in the thing. And, and I told Jay immediately, I'm like, ooh, maybe I captured it on the camera here. And he got excited. And then I'm looking. I'm like, the battery's dead. Oh, what uh, and then, of course, you know, I did a quick feeling. review. Yeah, oh, it, it was horrible. I was like, well, it probably went dead just before we entered what we now have coined the cone of silence. Right. So I don't know if one has a correlation with the other. I really don't. But, you know, Jay did explain that a number of times his batteries go dead. And that's not the first time I've heard that. I've heard that on several different podcasts with people having encounters and researchers that are getting in proximity of something and their batteries die and they can't capture any audio or video recording because they have no battery power left. And I always thought, well, that's really unusual. And the closest I've ever come prior to that is when I was downtown Chicago on that Mothman project and I was under the underpass and 
you were online with me and everything started to go static and then of course I lost my battery power too and then I walk a block away yeah I walked a block away and I had half my battery life again so I'm not I'm not sure if there's some energy field there that feeds off the batteries too along with fear I I don't know it's just speculation and it's part of the research but we ended up making our way back to the vehicle and of course we were probably uh, I don't know I would say and I I need to also back up because I forgot one other point that loud thud that I talked about at the beginning of the story Yes. We did hear that a second time. Oh. We heard it as we had moved down the path a little bit further. We heard that loud thud again. And, oh, you know, we immediately ruled out it's not fireworks. That's not what it is because you could hear it impact on the ground. So, I don't know. But I wanted to clarify, we did hear it more than once. We heard it twice. Right. But on our way back, mm-hmm. we heard something that, just made us stop on our tracks and couldn't figure it out. It sounded like a siren starting to wail, but not on a vehicle. Like it was a siren at a fire department or something, but it was just a loud wail noise that lasted maybe six seconds, and that was it. Now, if it was an emergency vehicle, it would continue. As if, 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 we just looked at each other going, okay, now that was really weird. It was like a warning wail that went off for six seconds. And it was off in the distance. It was, I would guess, probably, yeah. Reckon it to like, um, you know, the the signals that when they would do the air raids or like that type of. You know, I, I, no, no, not that type of a siren, no. This was, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe what it sounded like, and I I don't want to try to do it because I don't want to confuse people by me audibly doing it, but it was a six-second, wow, and that was it, but it was way off in the distance, and I was like, now, could we say that that was a creature or a man-made siren? I don't know. But it made no sense to the fact of it would have been an emergency vehicle because it would have continued. If it was off on the roads in the distance, it would continue, just like an ambulance or fire truck or police car. They continue to wail their siren. This was just one. It started off low, went up high, and then it went low again, and that was it. And it lasted about six seconds so then i said to jay i'm like well maybe it's a warning siren because they're blasting and maybe that's what we're hearing but we're not aware of any fracking going on the area or any quarries right so that wouldn't explain why there would be blasting going on and we didn't hear anything explode or or make that thud again after the siren went off because we waited I was like, well, maybe it's a warning siren of some, but we didn't hear, I don't know, <coughs> excuse me. Well, we heard, really uh, and, you know, we, we heard something similar to rocks clacking continually. Right. Um, 
and that went on and on and on and i was like i don't know it could be a bird that i've never heard before but it sounded like rocks clacking together right and uh, we made our way back to the car and we made our summation and of course jay's signal was you know fully back on we never smelled that smell again when we made it back to the car and and we finished up by doing a closing video of the experiences that we had there and course it was dark by that point so when we made our way out we had the headlights on looking for that elusive creature to cross the road in front of us on a dark desolate wisconsin night but that we did not see but for all those events to tie in together the way they happened there's a lot of interesting things that happen in in that area it's and it was worth going wow so we should definitely add in that we do plan on doing a Small Town Monsters Beast of Bray Road review. And uh-huh. uh, I think it'd be the perfect pairing <laughs> with this episode. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I will say this, I've, I've seen it. And uh, to coin a phrase from one of our past guests, uh, the word enchanting. It was the most beautiful um, movie that they've done so far. And from the second it starts, you're just wrapped into it. And you're filled with this feeling that you don't often get when you see movies. You know? I mean, that Mm -hmm. was my experience. And I have to say, well done to everybody. And it was just, it was so thrilling. And I cannot wait to do our review Mm -hmm. well and i did make point on the opening facebook live video when i went up there on october 6th that this isn't to ride the coattails of small town monsters bray road beast Um, this was a separate project altogether but i felt very compelled to say if you're not familiar with bray road you you need to either listen to the episodes that we interviewed with Linda that she actually talks about some of the events that happened there, not all of them, but some. Get her book, Monsters Among Us, and you have to see the film, The Bray Road Beast from Small Town Monsters, because from the moment the opening scene starts and the literature in which you are reading of something wicked this way comes, it sets the tone and the atmosphere for how people were terrified to something that was going on there on an upright werewolf type of creature. You feel it like you're there, and it's just so perfect. And And I need to make notation that the there were two powerful scenes in that movie that still they it just creeps me out and what a wonderful job doing the actual beast when you see the thing walking through the woods and stand up and look at you and then it's running off chasing wildlife chasing a deer and and you see it put yourself right there oh my (laughs) i'm telling you i i my mouth was hanging open i'm like this production is absolutely fantastic for painting the image of what these witnesses Mm -hmm. have described seeing to a t to an absolute t 
of the terrifying descriptions in which they have given in a moment that they're still terrified Mm -hmm. giving this description, and they nailed it. it. Yeah, I believe it's on one of the top... um, it's on a top list on Amazon, top bestsellers, I think. Oh, yeah, I think so, it's top 10 mm-hmm. yeah, bestseller on Amazon right so, now. I mean, that right so, there, too. Just go do yourself a favor, rent mm-hmm. it, buy it, whatever, do it. Just Go do to Amazon.com. <laughs> right now. <laughs> the, Bray, yeah. the, Beast, you know, the Bray Road Beast by mm-hmm. Small Town Monsters. Um, yeah. It's an hour and six minutes long. That's an hour and six minutes you're going to want to make probably two hours and 12 minutes because you're going to want to watch it a second time. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you don't want to buy was, it instead of rent it. It's one that you're going to want to keep right. in your collection forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. really. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gave that the gold star, thumbs up, rating, yeah. pat on the back, and a hearty yeah. handshake of a job well done. Wonderful All production value points. on that All film. Yes, very much. No, very much. <laughs> Um, and I do have favorites from Small Town Monsters. Yeah. That one is in amongst the favorite. And mm-hmm. for me, you know, it's the if number it, one and then Mothman so far out of the ones that I've seen is second. Uh-huh. I was in tears yeah. during that one. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he set an emotional yeah. right. Yeah, set an emotional turn. And that's I like that you use the word beautiful because I don't know if anybody's used that on a movie review yet for Small Town Monsters. But oh, really? that's a really that's a very good verbiage to use is that it is beautifully done mm-hmm. as far as what you're seeing visually. And I'm not talking about the interviews. I'm talking about what you're seeing visually well, of the area. And what it makes you and, feel inside though too. Right. And shooting the area from drone footage and from the just from the Bray Road itself shooting the video footage and then yeah. adding to it to give you that sense of unease when you when he sh- when they shoot it that way right. there's that sense of unease so that you know oh that there's something there and again there's another scene if you haven't seen the movie yet there's another scene in there where they're giving the witness testimony, but it's not the witness's face that you're seeing. They're they're doing this imagery as the witness is telling the story, and you see this thing peeking out behind the tree in in the pitch of black of night, and you see these red glowing eyes of this beast peeking around from behind a tree. I'm no. telling you, that's a pack your bag moment and move out of the area, because yeah, I wouldn't want to see that. The ability for someone to terrify you in your own home, where you normally feel safe, where you should feel safe, to leave you mm-hmm. with that sense of fear in your place of most comfort, that's mm-hmm. talent. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah so, no, that's a, another yeah. good way of putting it. And, of course, you know, with Halloween season coming oh, upon us, you can tell all the Hollywood ghost stories that you want. But if you really want to scare somebody, you oh. scare them with a movie like this because it's based on thousands of witness reports yeah. of this monster. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I'll just say it's a monster. I don't know if it's good or evil or just mundane. It doesn't matter. You see something like that, you're terrified. That's exactly. the first knee-jerk reaction is that you're terrified. Well, what better way to celebrate Halloween than by showing a movie of (laughs) things are out there that do exist exactly exactly 
Well, it has been wonderful to be on here again. And mm-hmm. uh, we are coming upon our hour. Um, we'll do... Boy, I talk a lot. <laughs> we uh. Our next episode, um, we'll dive into my uh, recent experiences. And then members will also um, get to look forward to my... Um, experience that I had with I don't really know what it was but it was definitely one of those going from a a believer to a knower and um, yeah so they Mm -hmm. they have that to look forward to as well so we've got a lot of of good well when we say you got a lot to look forward to uh, I need to preface that with the fact that folks Jennifer had an experience and I I, it, all I can say is you will probably put your hand over your mouth gasping as to the experience in which Jennifer had. And I think you really need to hear this because it will really help Jennifer and myself to maybe start to draw a conclusion as to what this event really was. And maybe you'll have theories and we, Clearly, we're very open-minded to you, the audience, Mm -hmm. as an intelligent group, that maybe you have an answer that we don't know of yet. But, yeah, stick around for that because I'm telling you, there's some compelling things that make the story I just told. It just pales in comparison. So make sure you stick around for that. Maybe two months to finally make the decision to talk about it. And the only reason Mm -hmm. I'm releasing it to members is because it is a smaller group. And so I rather um, release it in a more personal setting instead of Mm -hmm. to the masses right off the bat just because it is. I mean, there's a lot of personal information that will come out as well. Right. um, Yeah, it's just kind of a baby steps type of a thing. So. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyways, um, it's been wonderful to be back again with you guys, and I hope that you celebrate the rest of Lortober with us. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you stopping by the caravan, Library of Lore. Thank you, Jennifer, so much. Thank you. Good night. From childhood's hour I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken my sorrow. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone. Then, in my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy life, was drawn from every depth of good and ill the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder in the storm and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue, of a demon in my view. Let's just move on, dance. 
lay there cold eating underneath your last breath. Hold your tongue, still I've gone. The beast that follows is close, but we'll move on. Oh, oh, oh.